Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, listeners. This is Wendy. I just wanted to give a little warning that there is some bad language in this episode. We do drop the C-bomb. React in a positive way. We need positivity for this second love. Positivity, believe, positivity, believe. 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 Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Wendy. I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy and our papa, Pia, papa, pa, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> Hello, Wendy. This is the ninth in our series of All or Nothing Watch Along specials. It's been a slog, been a proper, grueling slog of Mondays. Um, if you haven't watched episode nine, but you intend to, do stop listening now because we're going to spoil that whole episode here. Hopefully, we can be a, a nice commentary for those who have have listened and want some additional content and if you've got no intention of signing up for Amazon and watching it then uh, we'll talk you through what you've missed. Uh, this episode is called The Run-In. The blurb for this one is with the season restarted Spurs have eight games to secure European football next season. Jose Mourinho must navigate some tough fixtures including the North London derby against Arsenal. The pressure tells as Hugo Lloris and Hyungmin Son have an on-pitch altercation. As the longest season in their history draws to a close Spurs look to the future and say goodbye to two long-serving squad members. And we believe believe that this episode covers the time period from hmm, a couple of days maybe uh, before the West Ham match so I think maybe the 21st of June until sometime post 26th of July which was the date of the Palace game so it starts with uh, the players entering the briefing room pre-West Ham and Mourinho says there are a few qualities that without them you just can't win the one that takes more time to develop which is the psychological profile that collective state of mind I think that is something that they really need to improve he talks about defensive principles but says that they need to do what he's telling them they've done previously 20 meters higher up the pitch and he says of West Ham they are very defensive so it's a difficult match and then the credits roll um we're back at the training ground and there's some kind of game of I think tennis or football tennis or something and Mourinho is absolutely loving it uh, he's he's joining in and, and having a bit of banter with players he talks in the voiceover about respons- having a responsibility to the fans and to the club 
We find out there are eight matches to go. We're in eighth position, four points off fifth. 23rd of June, West Ham game. And Mourinho is on the touchline shouting, it's too flat, this shit. Basically, <laughs> um, there's not enough not enough happening on the pit. Son there's not enough, um, there's enough, not enough peaked shit. It's all flat shit. Cow pats across. <laughs> That's, yeah, I couldn't put it better myself. Um, Son opens the scoring, but uh, is VAR'd for offside. I remember that moment very well. Mm. Uh, and we go in at halftime, nil-nil. And Jose says, if any of you feels a little bit of fatigue, you had three days rest they had two days to rest you need a little bit of pressure to be better or sorry if you need a little bit of pressure to be better I give you an honest little bit of pressure I think if we don't win the game it's over and by that he means our chance of European qualification he says you have to give more missing shit passes fucking sloppy fucking slow pass back when the pass should be in front and then he does this weird little sing-songy thing that I tried to mimic at the start of the episode Um, this felt like a proper proper dressing down what did you think Nathan? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So we talked, obviously, on the last episode about, like, uh, so much of the first six episodes are positivity belief if things go wrong you're you're confident all of that kind of stuff and here he's changing his tone a little bit and he's decided that okay now is the time to get on their backs now is the time to say like let me make you super aware of the conditions not not you know not just acknowledge them but like focus in on them um i don't know that's 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 interesting that that, that he feels that that is the right time Bardi, any thoughts from you on the on the Mourinho halftime bollocking? I mean, it, it's quite a good bollocking, and it's it perfectly summed up that game. It was missing shit passes, which is a pretty funny way to put it. But it was it was the truth, and I think what resonated with me in that whole bit was you've got seven more games after this, and if you lose today, those seven games are going to be awful because playing. I mean, I can't imagine. I'm not a professional footballer, but I can't imagine. I guess it's like if you know your contract's ending, but you still got to get through two months of work. It's just like you're going to have to come here every day train go through all of this all the social distancing everything else like that for nothing just wasting my time and wasting your time so I think it was I think it was a pretty good angle to take and you know it it kind of worked for sure we see Suchek's own goal from a corner and Kane's fantastic finish for 2-0 after a quick counter and there's a celebratory atmosphere after the game I felt and then we see Alistair Gold ask about Tongi and Dombele in the post-match press conference Um, and the way it's edited sort of seems like and Dombele is listening to that question and answer as well the way the sound changes as it focuses in on Ndombele who's like staring up at something which could be a TV screen it was certainly made to appear like he was listening in I can't imagine that would have been the case I can't imagine they'd be streaming the press conference into the, the, the room the players are in but that's the way they kind of presented it uh, so that that then kickstarts this whole section on Ndombele and we get some background so he's the most expensive signing in the club's history he scored on his debut and we find out he's developed a relationship with Musisoko who says he's like my little brother and Sissoko explains that when you're a player you want to play every game you try to enjoy try to do your job so when you're not being picked for the team but only training you can feel that something is missing and it is in his words very painful and for me it was quite good to hear this verbalise as it's kind of what I've always assumed that you can feel fully a part of, of the, the squad in, in some respects but unless you're actually playing you're not going to give you're not going to be like ingrained and you're not going to give your all and you're not going to be a part of it truly or you know Pochettino had this thing you, you don't come to you don't come to the club to play you come to the club to train and, and you prove yourself but the psychology psychology of that in terms of the elite sportsman is that it's very difficult to fully commit until you're actually in the team um you have to be some kind of driven person to, to do that and what do you think buddy I mean I'm, 
I'm glad we finally went there with Ndombele. I was concerned that we would go the whole season without touching on it and it mentioned it. And uh, when they were talking about Lo Celso in the previous episode, we did all of us referred to Ndombele as player A that shall mm. not be named. So it, it was good to see that. And it, even if perhaps it was a little bit forced, the whole Aurea Sissoko, Sissoko Ndombele moment where they were together, it, it was good to see that side of him and of their relationship. As much as like it's not completely unreasonable to simplify Ndombele's season as a failure. It's it's very incomplete. Like, obviously, a lot of things went wrong, but, like, a large, large story of the season and one that's so, like, hilariously glossed over in this documentary is the number of times that Ndombele comes onto the pitch at 60 minutes and changes, you know, where it looks like Mourinho at halftime has said, try harder, where's your balls? And then we win in the second half. What's actually happened is Ndombele's come onto the pitch and give us creativity and the ability to move the ball from defence to attack. Yes, Ndombele failed this season. He had a very bad season. He underperformed. He certainly underperformed an enormous price tag. But, like, the talent was there and he was far from, like, with zero impact. You know, I mean, I, I don't even think I would say they failed. I think it, it's a not untypical first season in the Premier League for a foreign, young, very young, 22 year old foreign player coming to play here for the first time. I, and, I mean, and he's had some good moments. He's like, he, he had at the start of the year, he had some good games, and then there have been some bad games for sure. There have definitely been some bad performances, and the problem has been the injuries and the long periods of time out of the team. That's been the issue, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're being very kind. I, I totally understand what you're saying, but I think you are being very kind. Had Ndombele been been purchased as a as a twenty million pound unknown, then then this was a, a solid average season. But he wasn't. He was he was signed to be the linchpin of our midfield to change our midfield, and it hasn't worked. And there's plenty of factors which we'll get into later when when they have the whole meeting. But it still goes down as a failure. So we see this um, section that Bardi referred to where Sissoko Aurier and Ndombele are hanging out together and uh, Aurier asks Sissoko sorry asks Ndombele how his first season has been and he says it's a season of adaptation he said it's complicated changing country it's not easy when you change environment the training it's a change in intensity and even the matches it hasn't been easy so far but that's how it is and they're all pretty I think philosophical um, and, and rational about it all there's no drama there there's no sort of panicking and Sissoko says that Tongi will bring us to the Champions League next year we believe in him so he's got the support and backing of uh, of two of his teammates there we then have this i mean i mean i won't preempt one <laughs> i won't preempt no. we have this scene where daniel levy calls a meeting with ndombele to discuss his lack of playing time so immediately i mean that's quite unusual that the chairman is uh, we're seeing the chairman speak to a player we're introduced to roberto balbontin balbontin who's a player liaison officer he's joining them he we find out he speaks four languages and he's there to help players settle in he explains that normally it takes six to eight months for players to settle, but everyone's different. And we see Levy kind of arrive to the meeting a bit late and he asks Ndombele straight out what's not working. So just slightly in, like a pretty odd start. I'd love to have known the conversation that set the meeting up. Um, Ndombele says for three months he trained hard. Everyone said he trained well, but if I don't play, it means there must be something else. Uh, Levy explains that lots of players in their first season found it difficult. It's normal. He explains Soko's journey. Uh, he says that Musa is a fighter and he wasn't going to leave. Um, and we get this 
line from Ndombele, I'm not concentrating as I should be, I'm not 100%. And Levy tells a story about how when he was 16 and at school, the head teacher told him to leave school and Levy went home and he told himself that he wouldn't be beaten. He got an A in his exams and went to university. And Tonga is like, well, I'm a fighter too. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't a fighter. Mm-hmm. And and Levy says the club and the manager believe he has talent, but he, he needs to unlock it. I have to say this whole section really reminded me of, of the one time I got called to the headmaster's office. I hasten to add that it was for something that wasn't my fault, but um, I felt very guilty and very like uh, overseen and, and under scrutiny and it was quite intimidating. And what did you think, Buddy? What did you think of this rather bizarre scene? I mean, this whole scene was, it was, it was amazing and not in, not in a good way. And <laughs> the fact that Levy was involved and it was, it was kind of chaired in this weird, it looked like a classroom. It was all, everything about this was wrong. And everything about this was like a guy who's being brought in front of the, his department head with, with HR there present in the room. It looked like a consultation meeting for someone being made redundant. Mm-hmm. And when Levy started to, talking about his childhood experiences, I'm like, this, isn't about you Daniel shut up and stop trying to relate your childhood experiences in Essex with with a chap from France with African roots and everything else it doesn't relate here and it's like Levy just putting himself once again in the middle but from from all my kind of opinions over this it was I got this overwhelming feeling that Ndombele is just this, this child, this kid who's been thrown into a situation which is so difficult and in a situation where everything everything is so reactive and so quick and there are more to him. And I, I said after episode one that I think I need to change how, how I talk about these Tottenham players, that they are human beings and there's so much going on and there's so many things that can affect them. And it's up to us as fans, I think, not to throw players under the bus, but I also think there's a huge amount that Jose needs to be held responsible for that he shouldn't be thrown players under the bus either and I think some of the stuff that they've how they've treated Ndombele and allowed this conversation to keep happening they they're very responsible the scene is so bizarre it's so fucking weird it could have been held in the fucking the black lodge in Twin Peaks it's just it's and it's like it's such like a like a theatrical performance it really feels like like uh like amazon have said to levy oh we're thinking of doing this scene that will like make this would be a really good idea if you wanted to calm the fans down over Mm. the ndombele section because what we need is something to really knit together the narrative with him and if you could do if we could get a translator in um and we could perform this scene i've prepared a script for you by the way um and you know it's 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 very it's so for the camera and i'm not like there is a part of me that is glad for it like i i am also the the idiot that falls for it because i am glad to see that there's like an acknowledgement of ndombele's talents an acknowledgement of ndombele's difficulty of struggle of the patience displayed by the chairman but i'm also aware that they are putting that on for my <laughs> for, for calming me down I am being sedated by the the screen. So there are a couple of other things that I think it's worth just touching on. Um, firstly, the fact that Ndombele is meeting with, with Levy without any of his agent, entourage, whatever, there. Yeah. It kind yeah. of implies that something else has happened first, right? There's been, there have been stages here that we are not seeing. You don't just immediately see, see a player who's 22 meeting with the, the club chairman. That is highly irregular. You know, with Ericsson, it was a bit different because they're talking about 
transfer. They're talking about his future. And Mourinho's there. With In this instance, Mourinho's totally excluded. So it makes you wonder if something's happened in the lead-up to this. I'd love to have seen whether there was a meeting between Ndombele and, and Mourinho first. I'd love to have had that insight. I'm sad we haven't seen that part of the story, but something has happened for this meeting to take place. It's very much an escalation. You're right. There's very much... There's, even Danny Rose went to see Mourinho and said, now I'm going to go see Daniel Levy. <laughs> so yeah, there's definitely been a few steps that have been missed here. I also... I, I strongly agree with Bardi that, that Levy is utterly clueless in terms of his lack of self-awareness yeah. in comparing the two of them. I mean, Christ, it's just... That's, that's embarrassing. Uh, the person that comes out of it quite well is Roberto, who is, <laughs> I assume, um, completely off the cuff, adding in some very supportive and encouraging words when he's doing the translations to try and soften what Levy's saying to Ndombele. Um, it's a fascinating scene, but also quite an uncomfortable scene. I, I, I think, unlike what Nathan's saying, where you know it, sat, it feels like Amazon have literally asked for this ta- meeting to happen. Perhaps what happened was, let's say, Mourinho and Levy are in a meeting and and uh, Levy says, I think I'm going to have to meet with Tongi, aren't I? And Amazon have gone, oh, oh, could we, <laughs> could we get in on that? Can we, can we see that meeting happen? That, maybe, maybe that's, um, maybe that's the background. I don't know. Um, I, I like, I like Roberto though. He seemed, he seemed very, very cool, very easy to get along with, very supportive. He came off well. Yeah, I, Levy needs to stop having ideas and making decisions. <laughs> I think everything, the more I watch this man, he, I preferred it when he never spoke. That's, that's the point I'm getting to with this guy. He's a complete control let it go Daniel there are layers between you and and this player that need to be respected he's an idiot uh, we get a bit of insight from Roberto about Sissoko who says that he's one of the kindest players I work with which I thought was really lovely um, and then we get more press conference questions about Ndombele so hammering home the fact that he's on the he's at the forefront of everyone's minds at this point uh, and that of course is because there's all these stories during lockdown of how Mourinho's broken protocols to go and train him and then ultimately once again back on the bent and not playing not even being brought on for minutes uh, in the previous match it's the 2nd of July now we see uh, Spurs playing Sheffield United away um, it's it's one nil at half time and and livid. Oh, sorry, Mourinho is livid about the VAR goal that Kane scored for the the Lucas handball, um, which is more of a problem with the handball rules than it is with VAR. But furious with the video assistant referee, um, he tells the team once again they have to defend. Soon after half time, it's two nil. And Dobberly comes on, and we do one. Mourinho is furious about the disallowed goal, but he says they had enough time to psychologically react in a different way. We then see him in his office with with a coach, and uh, the coach says the attitude was really bad. And Mourinho responds, every day I learn more about my players. I'm very demanding. I try to push players to their limits, and I like to feed that internal competition. We then have this scene where he... I'm, I'm so fascinated to get your thoughts on this whole bit. He, he sets up an 11 against 11 match. Yeah. It looks like an incredibly feisty game, um, spiky game, where there are sort of lots of minor injuries and ta- hard tackle. And we see that Son has been the recipient of a very hard tackle from Eric Dyer and needs treatment. And then we see this argument between Lucas and Serge Aurier. And Lucas is saying, every day you speak a lot, every day you speak a lot. And they're getting really quite aggro with one another, which I'm sure is like a constant, that must be a constant thing in training that players will, will backbite and have a little bit of a, a pop at one another. But it's quite shocking. Like, it, I wasn't expecting to see that um 
The staff inside speculate that Mourinho has set this up, and that's the narrative that's presented here. They say to get a bit of nastiness in them for tomorrow. The narrative is that Mourinho is trying to get the players to to bite back each other and to, to push each other psychologically and emotionally to be nastier, to have this develop a mean streak and become more competitive. We see Son, uh, who's got ice on his ankle with bruising developing. He looks absolutely gutted, worried. He's just come back from injury. He's worried about having another injury. We hear Mourinho say to develop a team to develop a style of play to develop even a mentality we need to use the difficult moments to push each other to blame each other to have confrontation it can happen and I like it to happen we see Dyer go to apologize to Son and Son's just like I don't get it like imagine I broke my shin and then Mourinho's kind of laughing about it saying you know you should Instagram it you should should take a photo and put it on Instagram Son's like I'm so angry I swear and he's got this like quite deep gash on 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 his shin and sorry not a deep gash but a scratch on his shin and deep bruising the Bruising's mm, appearing mm. already. Buddy, what did you think of this whole thing? To me, this was this was really unexpected and quite bizarre. I wouldn't have thought this would happen in a professional football club. But what did you think? Is this is this normal? Is this is this okay? I mean, I have no idea if eleven versus eleven is a thing. I, I guess I think they used to do it back in the day. They would they would play it. So I'm not sure what they do now. The Lucas versus Serge thing is is very interesting. I'm quite curious to see who you would jump in for, Wendy. Who would you support? <laughs> That's a really good point. Um, huh. Whoever wasn't being the dick in training I guess okay so I thought that was interesting Lucas is very much you know the he toes the party line uh, whereas Serge isn't so it's interesting that he's got called out the Dyer Sun thing I thought I thought Sun reacted quite badly to it but I think Dyer's probably gone in a bit too hard and Sonny did need to he's like I'm going to hate myself for saying this but he does need to suck it up and just get on with it They those things do happen and but I can understand why he's upset about it but it, it is it is weird but we needed to see this in the context of what happens further down the line about the whole challenging each other I do I did think that post um, Sheffield United it was the most depressed I'd heard Mourinho talking about Tottenham so he wanted to see a spark of some sorts and in, and, and in his way this is how best to do it Nathan any thoughts do you two accept the narrative in this scene that this is a, a deliberate creation of Mourinho to uh, what's the word what's the what's the phrase the, the coach you just get a bit of nastiness in them tomorrow do you do you believe that narrative um a part part of me part of me does i mean part of me does believe it it's probably we saw earlier in one of the episodes that he created a a, a little not a confrontation but he created a competition to get a res- sure. to get to spark something so i i think i think he probably did do this i think he's been around long enough football been a, he's been around the football long enough to know that these professional athletes get them fighting each other get them angry then maybe you get a reaction i think i think he probably did plan for something and, and we've seen him say that he liked the previous confrontation between Dyer and Delhi. well that's 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 two people arguing out over loss and what you know that's a demonstration of players caring about things that's not setting up a situation in which you're happy that Dyer has like crumpled son and giving him a minor injury and and and, and Aurea and Lucas have like had a, a you know a fisty cuffs <laughs> event you know I just find that crazy man I think that's that's why Yeah, it's very reckless. Very reckless. I think it's it's a dangerous it's a dangerous thing to set up. But I I get the impression he he has he has been he has used this tactic before. I do get the impression it's something that he will turn to when it's one of his playbooks. I suppose the thing is, I mean, it could it could be very it could be narrative driven from from Mm. the show. It could be. Um, But when you when you set up an eleven side match, what do you think is going to happen? Like you're putting players at risk, aren't you, of, of injury? You're saying I want you to have a an actual match and 
compete. Otherwise, what's the point? Um, I mean, this weekend in in real life, we saw um, Ceballos go in on another yeah. Arsenal player. I can't Ketia, remember who it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we know these situations do happen. That was just a little game of rondo. So they, I think, fo- I think footballers do probably niggle and get at each other more than mm. more than we're led to believe. Yeah, and Lucas is the wording with uh, with Aurier is like you're always talking, you're always talking in training. Kind of implies that there's some ongoing unresolved beef there. Uh, and and I guess the fact that the 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 coaching staff or medical staff whoever they were were who, who were watching through the window I mean it just seemed so obvious to them that this is this is what was happening they, there was no question it was they just stated it as fact pretty much I don't know it's, I, I, I'm willing to accept either side of, of that argument um, I, I found this odd and what it kicks off then is the match against Everton Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. go ahead through the deflected goal um, from Keane um, and just before half time there's a moment where Son appears to give up or does give up on on a, a bit of tracking back and Hugo Lloris goes absolutely ballistic he he runs over to Son as they're going in for their half time team talk and he starts pushing him and he goes mad in the changing room he says there's one minute to go and it nearly cost us a goal he's screaming make the run for the team and you've got like people having to intervene and, and hold Lloris back Toby calming suddenly down um and and Mourinho says this wouldn't have happened a year ago it happened now because we demand more of one another and he ends with for me it's perfect so does that make you think Nathan that the, the previous 11 versus 11 has more chance of being deliberate a deliberate ploy yeah I guess so yeah, I was I was going to say the same. I thought the way Jose handled the Son Hugo thing um, was good, solid man management, and it leads it makes me believe that the confrontation that Nathan asked is probably it was probably set up. That's what he wanted because I thought he I thought he handled it really well, and it's one of the it's one of the better moments of um, Jose man management. So I think he's been there before and he he knew what to expect. Maybe perhaps not um, Son and Hugo, but he thought something like that would happen. I think all of like the the. Be- not being good guys, being cunt. This whole section here with the eleven v eleven, the the encouraging them to scream and shout at each other is this this one continuous collective thing where like this is like his main focus and like what we saw in terms of results during the post lockdown period of time was like it worked and it was functional. Um, but I just think that that mentality where okay players make fewer mistakes through fear and. Yeah, 
yes, you, the, the, the responsibility element, like I'm very happy with. And obviously that was needed this season. Obviously there was a huge lack of players being responsible for their own actions. But I just don't think that this makes sense as a way of breeding that responsibility. I think you're there's the creation of this negative atmosphere. And I don't think it lends itself to good football. And I don't think it lends itself to great results. I mean, Mourinho has had great results historically. But I, I don't know, man. I, ju- I just, I don't know if that's that valid anymore. So in the in the match itself, um, we beat Everton one 0 It's this sort of celebratory atmosphere once again in the dressing room. Dyer is swinging his shirt around. We then see this clip of Davis and Son together. Son says he's not someone to fight. He has a huge amount of respect for Luis as a player, as a captain, and typically sweetly, Son says as a human. And he says we're like more than family um, with how much they see each other. And D- Davis talks about taking pride in winning scrappy games, which feels like it might be parroted a little bit, possibly. I don't know. Um, we draw nil-nil with Bournemouth. That is glossed over. I wonder why. Probably one of the most boring games of football. Like the most dull, dire, dross, <laughs> more words beginning with D thing I've ever seen in my fucking life. I, I quite liked um, how Tom Hardy's spin on it, that um, they followed this up with another clean sheet. I thought... <laughs> <laughs> I thought, Jesus! And then I remembered, oh no, we drew 0-0 and it was awful. But yeah, I did like his spin. Yeah, that game was really not good. Uh, Mourinho is speaking to Matt Law then in the sort of virtual press conference and Law says that the fans are angry and we were angry post-Bournemouth. We were very angry as a fan base. Can Mourinho give the fans any optimism? He says, the message is simple. Nobody in this club is happy. And he talks through everything that's happened post-Champions League final, reading off all the reasons why um, things haven't gone perfectly well. So then we're moving into the pre-Arsenal segment. We have Harry Kane saying it's an important match for the fans. We have randomly some other people brought in to talk about it. Harry Redknapp, Ledley King. We see a montage of Kane goals. We're in the briefing room and Mourinho uh, tells, talks to the players about how to handle derby matches. He tells them they have to understand the game, feel the game. He tells them to fight. Just want to say, before we get into the Arsenal section, there's like a major, major narrative, at least from my perspective, that the documentary glosses over here. They, they mentioned, like you just mentioned Kane's goals, but like for me, the biggest part of this point point in the season was wow Kane is back Kane is yeah. flying Kane is yeah. scoring Kane's looking athletic and there's no mention of that at all um like I was I was so so happy about that at this period of time that was that was the big thing for me and it's just I guess it's implied that Kane was just fine and scoring and brilliant the whole time <laughs> yeah good point good point uh, Lacazette opens the scoring with bang goal I mean there's no, yep. that goal is insane no back uh, but then very quickly Son robs Louise and makes it one all which is just fantastic lovely little dink finish uh, Mourinho says stay with the game feel the right moment to go we need to, to force more the run um, Alderweireld scores the header from the corner to win it and the, the, the point I think here is that fans are going crazy at home you know they're watching on TV they're communicating the, to the club via Zoom and it's just such a shame that this like really mm. enjoyable 2-1 victory over our local rivals is, is happening behind closed doors but nonetheless there's jubilant dressing room scenes once again Lucas is dancing uh, but quite quickly we quite move on quite quickly from, from Arsenal I would say Barney what did you yeah, think? Yeah I think we could have done with maybe a, at least a couple minutes more it did, it's a big game it was an important game a lot of Spurs fans would have been looking forward to the behind the scenes stuff here but uh, it was kind of skipped over. The, the strange 
interesting is those um, NHL, uh, NFL um, changing rooms. They're cavernous. They are insane how big they are. And it, it, I think it does harm the um, perhaps the atmosphere as well of watching the, the players celebrate. That They're not on top of each other. They're so spaced out, which I guess is the whole reason for it. So we move on to Jaffet Tanganga signing a five-year contract. And we meet his father, Leon, who's wearing a very natty waistcoat. Oh, yeah. Um, what a guy. And, and that whole bit is, you know, it's, it's, it's really nice. Tanganga's lovely and his family lovely. So it's, it's He's really got such nice. a good smile, Tanganga. He's got such a warm smile. I love his smile. He seems completely authentic. Just lovable, lovable man. Um, Hitchin said that he's very excited about Tanganga. The club are excited about him. And he says, hopefully we'll add two or three new players, maybe even more in the summer. And, and specifies that Mourinho has three to four positions we want to improve on. He says, we've always got to look further down the line rather than today as a sort of difference between us, other clubs at our level. Uh, then we see the players hearing that City haven't got uh, a ban and that we need to finish sit and we need to win the last three games. And at this point, there's only 16 minutes left of, of the series for these last three matches. And I'm thinking, how how's this going to happen? You know, we've, we've gone match by match pretty much with a couple of omissions and they've suddenly got three to deliver in a quarter of an hour. Anyway, Newcastle are dispatched relatively easily and we, we find out that Kane has passed 200. There's a short bit of uh, talking to camera from Kane about that. And then we see Kane's family, his partner and uh, his two daughters as they're doing this whole gender reveal thing of the baby that's being expected. Um, I could have I done with that, to be honest, Barty. What did you think? <laughs> yeah, that, we totally skipped over it, although it did give me my favourite line of the whole thing. It was the little girl going to Kane. Now, do a little girl. I did, yeah. quite, I did quite like that. He's good, at, he's good, but he's not that good. Um, do yeah, a we, goal, Kane. Yeah, do a goal. <laughs> and he hit it first time as well. Um, well, did he? We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> no, he, he did. He did. I, no, I, no, he, he did. He did. We don't have him. That one I accept completely as reality. But I think we did. I would like to have known a little bit more about the Newcastle game, but I'm going to sound like a proper boomer now. But the amount of mobile phone shows, like they're all getting, they're all getting their massages and Lacelso breaks news first, Spanish to Lamella and then it kind of gets out. And then the shot, the changing room in Newcastle, they're all on their mobile phones. Like it would never work if I was a football manager. Put your phones away while you're at, while you're, <laughs> while you're at work. I, I, I wouldn't last a day. They would, they would get rid of me. But it's just like the whole kind of these footballers, I guess it's real life. It's like normal life as well. We're just there as a group, but then they're just away because they're all hidden in their phone. Quite sad to see it's happened. And it, I am sounding like a boomer. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Totally. Just, just to be on the record, yes, you are. And also to be on the record, gender reveals are immensely lame, but. <laughs> yeah, really naff. That whole thing, that, it was so weird that they chose that to go in. Like all the things they could have shown in this documentary. They could have talked went about Kane's 200 goal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Madness. Anyway. I mean, Kane, two, Kane's 200 goals is quite a landmark. Let's have a. Have we had a bit of Kane in depth on Kane? I don't know. Maybe his bits and bobs, but not much. I mean, a bit of talking through some of his best moments. His mm. you know, up, Spurs upbringing, as such, might have been good, but nope, <laughs> nope. Uh, we we then see well, we whittle through the the Leicester <laughs> game, uh, which because... is a huge result. Which is yeah. a a result against a Leicester team who all season have been like oh they're like new Spurs. They are new Spurs, and then they come to White Hart Lane and we we, we pump, pump them three 0 Yeah, this might be our strongest run of three games in the entire season we saw yeah. out the the season in a in a, in a it, to use an american turn a, a clutch manager yeah. yeah and it's like oh and by the way we won three games yeah mm. however what is important in the eyes of the documentary makers <laughs> fuck me the skywalk <laughs> it's skywalk time baby so we see levy and Mourinho both being a bit scared of heights really dull really so pointless it's literally one big advert sometimes you're um you're watching tv um during a commercial break and this this an advert will come on and you'll be like 
maybe it's it's more of an arty one. It's like a uh, and they tend to be they tend to be car or perfume adverts. And you're going, what the hell is this advertising? This is like this is a woman in a silver dress walking down a silver hallway talking about some sort of obscure concepts. What what are they advertising here? And then oh okay no okay it was an advert for the new the new Mercedes. Okay I get it now. Uh, and it can take quite a while to understand what the advert is, but it's never taken me nine hours to realise that something was an advert for the fucking Skywalk. <laughs> the whole um, I'm just so tired. I was I'm tired. It's nine. It's nine hours of football. One nine hours of of showtime, and I I don't need more Jose and Daniel Levy old man banter up um <laughs> up a Skywalk. Yeah, it's not even that scary. Come on, you're strapped in. It's, that's I, the thing. So that's the thing. Like if this was a genuine genuinely exciting tourist attraction which we developed a stadium i'd be a bit like yeah do you know what why not but it's not that great it's just a, it's just a high vantage point that's it there's many of those in london it's just like walking over the the o2 arena it's just like it's not even dangerous for god's sake it's not it's not you can, you, there's more dangerous things that go ape where you go down a zip line this is ridiculous and the amount of time that social media i mean the amount of time that look at us we're doing it we're talking about yeah, skyline we're doing what they want it's really annoying so, let's I'm stop let's another move on. word about it done um so it's palace the final game of the season kane um scores a lovely goal puts one up at halftime Mourinho announces that chelsea are winning which is or we find out sorry that that chelsea are winning it's good news first Mourinho says we're de- defending quite well but we need to control the game we see jeff schlup equalize and then we basically see the end of the game and Mourinho and his coaching staff are celebrating this incredible achievement and he's like <laughs> i never imagined myself celebrating finishing sick um yeah. spurs gets everybody get to he's he's like Mourinho celebrating six he he would have been taking the mick out of Wenger yep. this years and years and years ago he's now he's worse than Wenger because at least Wenger was top they were celebrating top four he's become everything he hated yes celebrating mediocrity uh, so then we're taken to the end of season barbecue um, and Levy gets on the mic it's really awkward again it's a bit like the, the Christmas party bit he's, he's just not at his best when he's in front of a, a crowd he's he, he really does lack charisma um, but he explains it's been a difficult season on and off the pitch he sort of introduces the fact that Michelle Vorm and Jan Vertonghen will be leaving he gives a he brings them up and he says you've been a credit to the club and you're always welcome back <laughs> he's got them gifts he's got them watches mm. and he's like and we'll probably get them engraved <laughs> why didn't you just engrave <laughs> the watches watches like, and we'll get them <laughs> it's engraved it's so weird that they haven't just <laughs> engraved the watches have they arrived late it's, it's like has their delivery been delayed or something it's so odd it so now makes odd. sense why we keep buying wingers instead of defensive midfielders because he doesn't know how to buy anything he can't even go <laughs> He can't even buy a leaving present for for, for Yamba Tongan. Buy a watch, fine. Engrave it, good service. But he can't even do that. This is the guy. <laughs> this guy is running our club. He needs a personal chauffeur. He does. <laughs> it, this is the thing. It, so it comes off as a sort of really like last minute gesture. He suddenly remember. He suddenly thought, oh, we. I guess we could get them, get the watch. Which is probably sponsored. The amount of watch time yeah. that Mourinho and Levy have given this thing. We're always flashing their watches. It's probably free anyway. Whereas on the other hand, the player have been really organised and they've sorted out like a photoshopped picture of the Tongan with the Supian thing and they've all signed the um, the what do you call that mounting I suppose around the picture mm. around the photo in the frame uh, that is a genuinely lovely gesture which the Tongan you can tell really appreciates and he, he gives a very heartwarming speech where he says you guys mean so much to me I know for sure I'll never find a team like this again and he's a complete natural on the mic Jan he just seems like a, a warm genuine 
genuine person who is a very good public speaker and uh, it goes down really well. That's I, I've thoroughly enjoyed um, seeing that little send-off. Um, Vertonghen says that he watches five games a season, but that he'll watch every Spurs game. What, so what heartwarming, man. Such a good line. So, so, so sweet to hear that from Jan Vertonghen. I love that. Mm, it's perfect. It's the perfect end for, for Jan. Um, the, the last section is Mourinho talking about these months having been important for the future. And he says, we have to try to win a title and next season it is going to be done <sighs> and that is the end of episode nine of the documentary um what did we think Bardi, of, of this episode i mean we finally got to see a bit about in which is which is what we wanted but there wasn't else there wasn't much else to it i think we skipped over the bits that i would have found the most interesting i would like to have done a little bit more in the north london derby i think in a in a season of very few highs that was a, a definite high and i i didn't like the way it was skipped over I think we could have done a little bit more around it but to be honest by the time when Levy picked up the mic at the leaving deal I was <laughs> quite happy for this to be the final few minutes of, of the show how about you Nathan yeah Barty said everything <laughs> that yeah. I had to say yeah I, I must admit I have really enjoyed these three consecutive Mondays of, of watching the show and recording with you guys mm. until today <laughs> um, today was a slog it was a proper slog to get through I, I've kind of become quite disillusioned with the documentary and it has hasn't quite delivered on what I hoped for and I found the three final episodes three of the weakest series um we'll talk about the, the documentary series as a whole I think briefly before we go uh, let's start off with a, a question from Chukes who is one of our patrons one of our ex-subs Chukes says do you think that the fact of being filmed changed our season it must be weird as a player to have cameras hovering constantly and at key moments it must have been tempting for execs to make big decisions with one eye on narrative etc he also says if Amazon came to us and said let's do season two would you and should we Nathan what do you think do you think the the documentary in any way changed our seat um I don't think we made any out of character decisions as a club to be fair I can I can definitely understand how being in front of the camera might change minor behaviors mm-hmm. I can even understand how it could change yeah major decisions but I can't spot any I can't think in unless literally Ndombele was going to leave <laughs> this summer except that they posed a scene where Levy talks to him and that resolved the issue we should be great in which case I'm glad for the existence of the documentary but other than that I can't really think of what possibly could have changed as a result of the camera being around so some people have hinted that perhaps one of the reasons we got Jose Mourinho in as our as our coach is because he's box office because he's so charismatic that uh, he he no. was the man to get us through this documentary um, no yeah I can't see that I think Levy hired Jose Mourinho because Levy thinks Jose Mourinho is a really good manager one of the two best managers in the world top two buddy how about you do you think it's changed anything um, no I think they did so much filming they could pretty much have shaped this however they wanted yeah. to yeah. and the fact that they they skipped over the furlough bit they skipped over Delhi shows that they could have taken this documentary wherever they wanted uh, but they did the, what was best for Spurs and I don't think Spurs actually changed maybe yeah I don't think Spurs changed anything because the cameras were there and, and what about Series 2 would you would you want the Series 2 buddy? no thank you you're done with it now yeah um, I think we do need to sort of just comment on where we are with the documentary as a whole um, and I'm happy to start I think for the first three episodes it was really novel and really interesting and there were some, some nice little stories of you know what's happening off the pitch some of the interactions between players it was really fun to see them how they behave off camera or well on camera but off camera as in outside of press conferences and outside of social media and I kind of I still throughout the whole thing I did enjoy seeing those snippets and I did enjoy the interactions that in the canteen and you know in the dressing room after the match that kind of thing but what became very clear to me is this is neither a truthful narrative 
indicative of the story of a, a team season because it just wasn't that. I'm touching it in all of the episodes that the narrative is formed in a way that is not authentic and genuine. But neither is it a, a deep dive into some of the interesting points that go alongside some of the context here. And I feel like the producers, I, I completely get that this is a very surface level documentary, very sort of propaganda heavy, not just in terms of the club, but in terms of the Premier League as a whole. And it suits everyone to, to deliver it in this way. But I definitely feel like as a documentarian, I, I wonder whether the director and the producers would love to have done a bit more of a deep dive, gone and, spoke or to, gone and spoken to some local residents about certain key issues, perhaps not the furloughing of staff, because that is highly controversial and political. But like Bardi mentioned, maybe the Tottenham riots or the impact that the stadiums had on local residents, things like this, they would have been quite easy to address in the show. And I don't feel, I don't feel that we got much insight there. Like I said in the in this episode, it was quite odd that we suddenly saw Harry Redknapp and Ledley King brought in to discuss the Arsenal game from out of nowhere. And the reason that was odd is because it wasn't done elsewhere. I mean, if that had been done throughout the show around many of the key subjects, then I think that would have worked quite well to have different voices. I've seen that before. You know, the Michael Jordan documentary did that regularly and it was really useful to add additional context, particularly from journalists who were around at the time and were able to sort of analyse the situation. And I think that's it. There's there's a real lack of sort of critical thinking around this. There was no sort of evaluation or or anything other than a very surface level look at, at what was going on. And that's that's left me feeling a bit empty about the whole thing. Sorry, that was quite quite a long winded answer. Um, Nathan, how about for you? What have you what have you got from this? Have you has it delivered on any level for you? There are moments in here that I really appreciate. Mainly moments with the players. Um, I've learned uh, a bit about some of the non playing staff at the club um, for better or worse. I sort of have a better grasp on who Levy and maybe even who Mourinho is as a person. But um, and I know that you Chris want this to be quite timeless and you want this to be about the football that was played at the time. But the reality is and what has affected my viewing of especially these final three episodes is that we have just lost, been absolutely outplayed at home to Everton. This is a documentary about what a brilliant, charismatic genius Jose Mourinho is when in real life I am increasingly uh, comfortable with the suspicion that he is an arrogant, outdated cunt. An intelligent cunt he may be, but a cunt nonetheless. <laughs> well, for me, the show, just like the audio clips they used to contextualise the big moments, shows that this really was never a show for understanding what Tottenham is, what Tottenham means, and what it means to actually change and rebuild a club. Yeah. This show should have been about restructuring for lack of a better word, a dynasty. You know, about trying to change from one manager to a new manager, to change of football philosophy, getting through the protests, getting through COVID, COVID. Instead, all we got was vanilla clip, audio, sound bites, and some talk about balls and some insight into fist bump. Had it not been for Sun, Davies, Dyer, Tanganga, and these actual really nice, smart human beings trying to adapt to a new manager and a new way of football, it would have been 100% uh, white noise, which just for me, all that does is pander towards the armchair, popcorn munching, clout chasing masses. Football is, football is many things, but for me, it's not Daniel Levy kind of eating granola in a canteen or 
sports, doing, <laughs> doing some lads banter on top of a stadium. I want to know what Daniel Levy's doing, what Hitchens doing. I want to try and find something about Tottenham without the propaganda being constantly rammed into me. I was um, I was never not going to watch this show, but I can confidently say I'm never rewatched. This wasn't my Spurs, and this wasn't an image of Spurs I wanted to see. I have to admit, when the when the show came out, I was heartbroken to know that after all the hours and effort and work we put into talking about Tottenham and how passionate we feel about Tottenham there wasn't one bit in everything we did that we could sum up what our fan base was feeling I love Spurs and not to be associated Spurs in this way I found it really hurtful but after nine hours of vanilla blancmange I'm honestly thanking God we weren't associated with it that honestly wasn't my Tottenham I don't know quite what my Tottenham is or what my vision of Tottenham is but I know 100% that wasn't it and I'm happy to dis self away from getting bin here here well said Bardi I mean the, the, the thing is we've seen Sunderland till I die we saw we learnt about what the club meant to the community and yep. what the community meant to the club and it was perfect it was not happy but it was perfect it was so beautifully presented and we've seen none of that we have such a rich history and also such a sort of local community um bond that, mm-hmm. that just was completely glossed over I mean even something as simple as let's let's go home with Jaffet Tanganga he's he's talking about his family this whole time let's spend five minutes in his house let's understand what his family has been like like when did they arrive in the UK let's let's hear about how he's been brought up let's see some of his old haunts it, there's all this stuff that would have been so much more enjoyable than like a two three four minute clip of Kane's gender reveal <laughs> weirdness you know it's just it's, it's open goal missed after open goal missed I think um, what's more Tottenham than that <laughs> well yeah that is my Tottenham you've been listening to The Extra Inch thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production thanks to Bardi for being Italian thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music you can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his soundcloud D Lindmer do check him out he's great follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.